and verse 1. I believe God desires to show you marvelous and wonderful things. Not just sometime this year. Today. Now. Starting now. I can decide I will never be the same. Let's stand for the reading of the word. Genesis 7 and verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Verse 13, in the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth. The sons of Noah, along with Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them, into the ark. They and every beast after his kind and all cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and every fowl after his kind every bird of every sort and they went in unto Noah into the ark two and two of all flesh wherein is the breath of life they that went in went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him and the Lord shut him in. We're going to preach this morning about the door that God closed. The door God closed. Let's put our Bibles down and let's go before the Lord in prayer this morning. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. I thank you for your church. Thank you for your people that are parts of that church, that make up that church, that are the church. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your greatness. God, I thank you for what you desire to do in this place today. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and that we would open our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us today. God, that you would drag us, that you would draw us, that you would pull us where you desire for us to go. And that, God, we would go willingly, that we would run into your presence, that we would run in to your name, your strong tower. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Why don't you shout amen as you clap your hands before the Lord this morning. Come on, let's keep doing that until all the blood's falling, until we're nice and awake today. Why don't we do that for the folks that aren't yet sitting in your chairs, that aren't yet sitting in your rows? Why don't we just go ahead and lift up our voice for them because they're not able to be here today. What are we doing, Pastor? We're starting this year off, this first Sunday morning, we're starting it off in faith. We're starting it off with faith. 
Come on, that's it. Let's lift our voices. In the name of Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus' name. You can be seated this morning. We find in the book of Genesis the record of time has quickly transpired. Seems like it has jumped generations and sped through the first days of formation of man and mankind and humanity. Now we've come to a time that the earth has become filled with wickedness, filled with great evil. The Bible says that the thoughts of man's heart were only evil continually and that it grieved the heart of God. Genesis 6 and verses 5 and 6 say that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord. I don't want to make God repent. I don't want to make God turn his head. I don't want to make God grieved in his spirit. But here in verse 6, God is grieved that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart but let me pause right here and tell you i'm not preaching doom and gloom this morning but in the middle of the mess in the middle of the mess there lived this man by the name of noah who in spite of the mess was found blameless in his generation. The Bible tells us that he walked with God and became a preacher of righteousness. Let me tell you this morning that you do not have to give in to the whims and the ways of the world, but you can stand strong in your faith in the middle of a mess. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean that I have to do it. But I can stand flat-footed, shoulder-squared, and say I will not give in. I will not back up. I will not back down. Let me just put it in rewind here for a moment and tell those who have been here for a long time you could have gone the way of others but you stood and said I will not and I'm here to tell you today that we are standing on the precipice of the greatest revival this church has ever seen. I'm going to go ahead and speak it plain. You better get here early for church or you just might not have a seat when you walk in. What are we doing, Pastor? I'm walking up the ramp and I'm getting in the ark and I'm not leaving. I'm telling you today, you don't have to go the way of the world, but you can stay strong in your faith in the middle of the mass. Verse 8 of chapter 6, it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. Perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. I don't have to go there. I don't have to do those things. I don't have to give up. I don't have to give it. I'm just you don't have to give up you don't have to give in you don't have to back off I'm moving forward Second Peter chapter 2 in verse 5 speaks of Noah and that God spared not the old world the world of the antediluvian age pre-flood but Noah was saved Noah the eighth person there's a whole message to preach right there let me tell you something dads we got a responsibility Him. You take your wife. Get on the ark. Shem, take your wife. There's a whole message to preach about the wives of Noah's sons. Noah's oldest son was a hundred years old when they got on the ark. His oldest son. He'd spent 120 years building the ark for the saving of a family that he had not yet birthed. For the saving of a family he had not yet seen. Young person, don't you ever doubt what you're doing right now. Every time you worship, you're building an ark for a family you don't have yet. Every time you bow a knee in the altar, you're building an ark for the babies you don't have yet. You're building an ark for the wife you don't have yet. You're building an ark for the husband you don't have yet. And I'm making sure my family gets on that ark. You go up that ramp. You get in that ark. Oh, Sam, take your wife. Ham, take your wife. Japheth, take your wife. Get in the ark. Honey, go ahead and go on in the ark. And Noah stood there and waited until his entire family was in the ark. He said, I know God hasn't spoken to them, but I know God's spoken to me. I know they may think I'm crazy. I know, I, I understand all of that, but they've been faithful in the build. So go ahead and get on the ark. He said, I want to make sure that I don't leave any opportunity for them to fall out. I don't want to leave any opportunity for them to change their mind. Let me tell you something, Dad. You're the spiritual leader of your home. You need to build the ark. only ark in your case it might be brother so and so the fourth person brother so and so the fifth person brother so and so the sixth or the seventh or the second or the third but he said I'm bringing up the rear and I'm making sure everybody makes it because he's a preacher of righteousness. He's not willing that any should perish, but everybody would get in the ark. Bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. His name was Noah. The New Testament calls his name Noe. But he's, his name means comforted. 
And thankfully for man's sake, for mankind's sake, Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. He finds favor in the eyes of God. And so God sees this righteous man, Noah, and he commands Noah. He commissions Noah to build an ark for the saving of his family and for the saving of every species of every living thing. And so destruction came by a flood. That was the sentence declared upon the sinful world by God, the eternal judge, because of the extreme wickedness. We find in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, it recorded that by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet as seen, moved with fear, prepared in art. Let me just tell you, sometimes if God's got to motivate you with fear, that's okay. What do you mean you're going to let it rain? What do you mean the whole earth is going to be flooded? What do you mean the mountains aren't going to be able to be seen? I've never seen it rain, but I'm scared of going through a storm like that without God. I'll build an ark. And he was moved with fear, but he was saved. Let me just tell you, I don't care how God's got to save your soul. I just want you saved. If it's got to be fear, that's okay. We'll work through the fear. If it's got to be heartache, at least I'm saved. He condemned the world, became the heir. The righteousness which is by faith. So through years of preparing the ark, Noah is God's witness against the world's actions, against the world's speech, against the morality or lack thereof, the godlessness, as the long-suffering of God waits 120 years. I believe this is just Pastor Fishburne's commentary on Genesis 6 and 7. I believe God was already fed up when he spoke to Noah. I believe God was ready to, right now, let's get it over with. He's already grieved, but yet he gives Noah space to save his family. Folks, that is the grace of God. When I'm at the point where God could justifiably destroy me, but he doesn't. When I'm at the point of being cut off and God would have every right to do it, but God doesn't. I might have to bring a storm to motivate him by fear, but I want an ark built. You've come too late to tell me that that was a thought. That that was not a thought in God's mind because we would see it later on in the book of Exodus with Moses and the Israelites when God said, I just want to wipe them out and start over again. And Moses says, no. God, I know that it's justifiable, but, but you got to stop for a minute. So he gives them 40 years to raise another generation. Later, the prophet Ezekiel would use Noah as an example of righteousness in Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 14. 
though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver, but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. In 22 and verse 30, and I sought after a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. And so Noah made up the hedge for his family. Noah built an ark for the saving of his family. Noah, the eighth person, and Noah stands in the doorway of that ark. And the Lord said to Noah in Genesis 7 and verse 1, Noah, come. It's time. Get your house into the ark. I've seen your righteousness before me in this generation. And in verse 13, in the selfsame day, entered Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast after his kind. Let me just talk to the women for a second. When your husband says, hey, we got to get to the ark. Are you going to pull back on his hand and say, I'm not going? God created him to be the leader. The spiritual leader. I know that us men don't always do that because we're not perfect. But when he does, how will you respond? If you hadn't led for a long time, why would I follow you now? Well, honey, you ain't obviously been praying, have you? You got that little self-righteous cock to your head, a little hip popped out. You ain't been in the altar, have you? Santo Dios. You've got the ability to make or break his spiritual leadership. I'm not telling you that if he's not going to church, you stay home. No. Paul said you can save his sorry hide by your actions. Because he's not perfect, but we serve a perfect God. I'm just here to tell you, God designed the ramp on the ark for them to walk two by two. Husband and wife, you're designed to walk together into the safety of the ark. So do it together. They and every beast after his kind, in verse 14, all the cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, after his kind, every fowl, after his kind, every bird of every sort, they went in unto Noah, into the ark, two and two of all flesh. The, the creation is following the bidding of the creator. Noah did not form a lasso. Noah built an ark. He wasn't there taming zebras so he could go round up creation. He wasn't going Swiss Family Robinson riding on the back of an ostrich with little flaps over the eyes and he'll pop one flap up and then the ostrich will turn right and he'll close it and the ostrich will stop and he'll go left. No! The creation is hearing the voice of the Creator. Creation says, I've got to follow the voice. i got to follow the draw. The creation says, I have got to get in the ark. Just like Noah was following the bidding of his creator. Creation followed the bidding of their creator. 
They went in, male and female, all flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. It had been 120 years of building. multiples of 40. I don't know if there's anything here. You can chew on this yourself. Moses was in the land of Egypt for 40 years. He left, lives in the plains of Sinai for another 40 years. That's 80. Goes back, delivers Egypt, or delivers Israel by the help of God. They wander for 40 years. 120 years before they can enter the promised land. Noah's been building for 120 years. 120 years of planting. 120 years of cutting trees. 120 years of pitching on the inside and the outside. Without ever having seen a drop of rain. The earth at this point was watered by a heavy dew. There had never been a storm. There had never been. Well, Noah, why are you preaching this? Your eschatology's wrong. We don't even know what rain is. We don't even know what the fountains of the deep are. Noah, you old coot, you're off your rocker. 120 years of building, 120 years of planning, 120 years of preaching, 120 years of ridicule, 120 years of being misunderstood, 120 years of being mocked. But honey, let me tell you, the rain was getting ready to fall. Let me encourage somebody that's stuck it out. Let me encourage somebody that's in the house of God. You keep on keeping on because one of these days coming very soon, it's going to start raining and you got to be in the ark. And when Noah enters the ark, the Lord shut him in. It could be translated that God closed the door on his behalf. All these animals are coming out of the wilderness. They're coming out of the woods. They're dropping from the sky. They're flying into. They're swinging into. Walking into. In perfect order. Two of every unclean. Seven of every clean. So that there would be three pairs of clean and one extra that they could sacrifice on the other side of the storm because God's intention was not for them to get swallowed up in the storm that's where we're going God's intent from the very beginning was not that the storm would destroy them but that the storm would make them worshipers 
Can you imagine with me this morning walking into the ark and hearing the rumbling of the door as it slams closed behind Noah and Noah the eighth person is standing in the doorway and Sham, Ham, Japheth and their wives and their mother Noah's wife is standing there watching Noah looking out at their friends looking out at their community looking out at the people around them as they're standing there he's lost it completely now he's moving into this monster and all of a sudden they're looking at Noah and they're looking beyond him and Noah's looking at him and they can see his hands and he can see their hands and all of a sudden the God that's been talking to Noah all of a sudden begins to close the door behind him. I guess daddy wasn't crazy. I guess dad wasn't just hearing voices. We watched his hands. We knew that he wasn't touching the door I imagine how terrifying that would have been in that moment when all of a sudden the entire ark just goes black and there they live for seven days brother Levi before the rain starts going on reminded of Israel marching around Jericho one time for six days God we're here we're ready for victory we're ready for the, the storm to open up we're ready for the fountains of the deep to break up I'm just wanting to see if you're going to try to crawl up through the, through the rafters and try to climb out that window I want to know if you'll stay in the ark even before it starts raining. I want to see if you'll continue marching. I want to see if you'll continue walking. I want to see if you'll continue obeying even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't compute to your analytic brain. I want to see what you'll do. I want to know if you're on my side for the lows and the fishes or if you're on my side because you love me. I want to know, can you live for me in the hard times? Can you live for me when it doesn't make sense? Can you live for me when it doesn't compute? Can you live for me when the walls aren't falling? Can you live for me when the boat's not lifting? And if you'll live for God when the rain's not falling, and if you'll live for God when the walls aren't crashing down, God said, oh, that's my man, that's my woman, that's my family. We don't have time to qualify everything I'm getting ready to mention this morning, so bear with me. Research it on your own and ask questions later if you have them. The ark that Noah built was a type and shadow of the church of the New Testament. It was a type and shadow of New Testament salvation. It had one door. One way in, one way out. There was a window at the top. There was a light at the top. We understand by John 10, 9 that Jesus is the door. There's only one way in. If you climb up any other way, you're a thief and a robber. It had three levels. Signify repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But it was one ark of safety. It's one plan of salvation. And all of those elements, all three of those levels are necessary. 
You're going to start out at the bottom, which is repentance. And then you'll walk up a level and you'll be in baptism in Jesus' name and you'll feel lighter than you've ever felt. And then you'll ascend to the top level. Okay. Types and shadows. When the water started to rise, the ark of safety was lifted up above the danger. Let me preach to you this morning. There is safety in living for God. But the safety would have been non-existent had God not shut the door. What began by feeling like entrapment ended up being protection. Let me preach to you this morning. You're in the right place. It's not entrapment. It's safety. It's freedom. It's liberty. It's safety. It is liberty. It's confining. Hear the sounds of the goings on outside the ark as they start pounding on the door, screaming. That's, that's a little dramatic. How dramatic do you think it was when the water got ankle deep? When the first boom of thunder that they had never, they had never heard before. They'd never felt the repercussions. They'd never felt the reverberations in their chest. And it wasn't some distant storm, but the Bible says the windows of heaven were open. The fountains of the deep were broken apart. Imagine the earthquakes as the fountains of the deep burst open and seismic activity caused the ground to shake and water to shoot out like geysers. Imagine how desperate they got. Imagine how desperate the world's going to get when the church is gone and they can't come to a service. Well, that's pretty heavy, Pastor. You better believe it's heavy. But what originally felt like entrapment for a season was all of a sudden protection. And they could hear their cousins on the outside screaming and crying because they wouldn't listen to the preacher. They could hear their aunts and their uncles, grandparents. Nieces and nephews. Not because they weren't preached to, but because they refused to respond. But inside the ark, they're dry. Inside the ark, it's the, it's the epitome of God's perfect plan because modern day shipbuilders will tell you if it had been one foot or one cubit shorter, it would have capsized. If the ark had been one cubit longer, it would have broken in half. God designed it exactly the way it needed to be because God wanted to save the righteous. I'm going to preach to you this morning. This is a lot heavier than I ever intended it for it to be. But let me tell you, you are in the right place at the right time. And weeping might endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It's a place of safety. Long after the rain stops. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights, but they were in the ark for over six months. 
as the water rose and then as the water sank as the water was then absorbed back into the fountains of the deep and the evaporation water cycle begins to take place all of a sudden Sham, Ham, and Japheth and their wives standing there clutching each other thank God we listen it's the ark of safety let me tell you, you better be thankful for the doors that God closes. I came to preach to us this morning that the Lord shut Noah and his family in not to entrap them, but to protect them. God desires to protect his children. God desires to abide over us and for you and I to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my strong tower. My rock, my defense, my fortress. What about the storm? What about the deep? Mark chapter 4. Verse 35. The same day. We've moved forward hundreds of years. The earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. The door. Creator. Now we're hearing an earthly voice of the one who spoke into the created beings who walked onto the ark. We're hearing the earthly voice of the one who whispered into Noah's spirit. In the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. I, I just can't get away from it. Seven of every clean animal. Because God planned for them to make it through the storm. They did not offer sacrifice on the ark. They did not offer sacrifice during the storm but when the storm was over. They lived in the ark for six months. It was necessary. The apostle would later say that God baptized the earth with the flood of Noah's day. The earth was cleansed. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost is necessary. But that's not the end. God desires a people to step out of the plan of salvation with the plan of salvation and be worshipers on the other side of the storm. 
And so again here in Mark chapter 4, he's saying to his disciples, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent the multitude away, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. wind waves beat into the ship so that it was now full Matthew 8 24 is the recording by Matthew of the same occurrence it records that the ship was covered by the waves ironically Luke 8 24 is Luke's account or Luke's record and he says that they were all in jeopardy let me tell you that traveling with Jesus does not mean there won't ever be trouble. Just because Jesus is in the boat doesn't mean it's always going to be smooth sailing. But what it does mean is that it's the safest place during the storm. And when God bids you launch, you've got to be willing to launch. It's get out away from the multitude. Everybody wanted the loaves and the fishes. That's where we were at. They were in the wilderness and one of the gospels records that God made them sit down on green grass. He's not afraid of the wilderness. He's not afraid of the dry places. In fact, he is more than well capable of turning dry places into an oasis. With food, water, and provision. He's able to make the wilderness a place of comfort. But in the wilderness, there's still roads. In the wilderness, there's still paths. In the wilderness, there's still a road. There's still a way. There's still a highway. You can still know where you got to go. But honey, when you launch out into the deep, there is no road. When you launch out in prayer, when you get lost in the spirit, when you step out in faith, there is no way. But there is the way. And as long as I've got the way, as long as I got the truth, as long as the life giver is in the boat, it's the safest place to be. He was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. I'm just going to fast forward a bit and come back. Here in just a few verses, we're going to find Jesus being awakened. They said, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? And Brother George, he's going to step up on that, onto the deck. And he rebukes the wind. It was more than Hey, let's settle down. Scholars, theologians will tell you the original language. Let me just read it to you. The word rebuke means to meet out due measure. It assigns a value. The Greek word for rebuke not only is to meet out due measure, but it assigns a value as fitting the situation. 
He's responding to the same level that the storm is responding. He's warning, the language says, that when he rebuked, it was a warning to prevent something from going wrong. No, I said we're getting in the boat and we're going to the other side. Scholars and theologians will tell you he was not just speaking in the Greek. He was speaking to a spiritual moment. This was not just a normal storm. This was an attack of spiritual darkness. And he's asleep in the back of the boat. Not just because he's not afraid of a little rain. Not because he's just not afraid of a little wave. Not because he's not just afraid of the boat sinking. I got all power in heaven and in earth. He said, I'm more than the creator of the natural forces. I'm also the creator of the supernatural forces. And he steps up and rebukes the wind and rebukes the sea. You don't want to go there, devil. You don't want to go there, demon. You don't want to mess with what's in this boat. Let me tell you what was in the boat. In the boat was the early church. In the boat was the ministers of the gospel. In the boat was Peter. In the boat was James. In the boat was John. In the boat were the ones that would carry his message. Honey, it's the same as if you and I were in the boat. And he said, you're not going there today. Because there are deep things in the sea there were dark forces of the supernatural but God you told us to launch out now we're facing this oh but I'm still with you and if you're not willing to face what's out there in the deep you'll never see what's on the other side He arose, verse 39, rewinding, rebuked the wind. He answers the wind with the same ferocity in which it was blowing. Rebukes the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still, stop it, shut up. Calm down. You don't know who you're messing with. I need somebody that'll get a little holy boldness on them and say, devil, it's time for you to shut your mouth because you don't know who you're messing with. I'm not in this boat alone and I don't have to face the storm alone. I'm still preaching about the doors that God closes. The doors that God closes. And his hand is with you in the boat. He is with you in the storm. The wind ceased and there was great calm. More than natural calm. Spiritual calm. There's tremendous power when we speak the word of faith. It happened at creation when God said, let there be light and the darkness had to go. 
God divided the light from the darkness. That's the same voice that was speaking on the Sea of Galilee. Fellas, I told you we're going over to the other side. I haven't brought you this far so for you to die in the middle. I hadn't filled you with the Holy Ghost. I haven't refilled you with the Holy Ghost for you to die in the middle. I know it got rough. I know it doesn't feel comfortable. But I'm telling you that God is still in the mount. I know it might feel like entrapment. But when the rain starts coming down. It happened in the graveyard when the dead Lazarus came back to life. When the word of faith was spoken. God, he stinks. Jesus, don't roll that stone away. This is too far gone. No, it's not. Because there's power when we speak the word of faith. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this? That even the wind... Even the spirits and the sea obey him. He's more than a man. Rebuked, he met out with due measure. He wasn't just shouting. He was shouting, I believe. His, his language was intense. But scholars have explained that this was no ordinary storm. This was a device of the enemy to wipe out the disciples and to destroy the ministry. With an intensity to match the ferocity of the storm, Jesus rebukes the storm. He warns the storm and he warns the forces of supernatural darkness that they've still got to bow to their creator who was exercising dominion. I want to encourage somebody today that God is still in control. But you got to stay in the boat with Him. you got to call upon Him even while you're in uncharted waters, even when you're being overwhelmed by the waves. you got to understand that God is in control. on the Sea of Galilee, wanted to swallow the believers. But after they got to Gadara, that's where they were going. There's a man that runs out of the tombs, naked, out of his mind, with cut marks all over his body, crazed. They tried to bind him with chains and they couldn't bind him. He was not operating under positive supernatural forces. He's called the demoniac for a reason. Jesus asked him, what's your name? He didn't say, my name is Joseph. He said, no, 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 I'm not. He wasn't talking about the physical name. He said, I want to know who I'm dealing with. And it wasn't that he didn't know. He's God. He said, I want everybody around me to know what we're dealing with. This is more than just a man who is disturbed. This is more than just a man with a mental health problem. This is a man who is under powerful influence of Satan. He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. 
That's where they went when the storm ended. Let me tell you, though, the battle was not won on the shores of Gadara. The battle was won in the midst of the sea. When the storm of supernatural darkness tried to wipe them out, and God said, not today, Satan. The storm on the Sea of Galilee wanted to swallow the believers. But after they got to Gadara and the demoniac was delivered, the demons are sent into the pigs. And the pigs run off the cliff into the same deep that the enemy had tried to use to destroy the godly. And God took what the enemy meant for evil and flipped it over on its head. Let me tell you, the storm that the enemy wanted to use to destroy you is the state, the same water, the same storm that's going to swallow him up. But you got to stay in the boat. You got to keep walking with Jesus after the storm is over. Some of the most trying times of your faith are not going to be during the midst of the storm. Some of the most dangerous times are how am I going to respond when the waves stop rolling? Am I going to keep walking with God when everything is calm and cool and collected? When my life is no longer falling apart, am I still going to maintain my integrity with God? Isaiah 54 and verse 17a. No weapon that's formed against thee shall prosper. God is in control. I'm coming to a close. Let's stand all over this place. He said, hold your peace. Let the Lord fight your battles. What does that mean? That means God in the middle of this storm is making a worshiper out of me. On the other side of this storm, I'm not going to become the drunkard that Noah became. I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep praising. I'm not going to get caught up. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to allow God. Let me tell you, God swallows up the enemy that created the weapons that were formed against you. I just don't know if I believe that. Ask Mordecai, Esther chapter 7 and verse 9. And Harbona, one of the chamberlains, set before the king, Behold also the gallows, fifty cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. There are, there are gallows there, fifty cubits high. And the king said, Hang Haman on those gallows it was more than just a, a, a flipping of the script it was evidence to you and I you don't have to fret you don't have to worry you pray you fast you maintain your walk with God and you let God fight the battle you got to be willing to shove off from the shallows you got to be willing to keep Jesus in the boat. Haman gets hung on his own gallows that were designed to kill the people of God. We've got to maintain faith because sometimes it looks like God's forgotten about you. Sometimes it's going to feel like God's asleep in the boat. And so I've got to hold on. You, child of God, have power over the darkness of this world. Psalm 74 and 14, thou breakest the head of Leviathan. That was a monster of the deep places. 
Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gavest him to be meat for the, to the people inhabiting the wilderness. God, you took the predator and you made him the prey. You took the enemy and turned him into a meal. You snatched the Leviathan from the deep places. You broke him in pieces and gave him to eat for the people in the dry places. Ferdinand Magellan said it this way the sea is dangerous and its storms terrible but the obstacles have never been sufficient reason to remain ashore unlike the mediocre intrepid spirits seek victory over these things that seem impossible. Why are you preaching to empty chairs, Pastor? It might look impossible with man. It's not impossible with God, Sister Sherry. Let me tell you what's happened over the last seven years and months when I became the pastor we had 17 people now if everybody's here we've got 90 not because I'm so great not because I'm so, but God is good and there's been some people that decided we're staying in the ark The sea is dangerous and its storms terrible, but the obstacles have never been sufficient reason to remain ashore. Unlike the mediocre, intrepid spirits seek victory over these things that seem impossible. It is with an iron will that they embark on the most daring of all endeavors to meet the shadowy future without fear and to conquer the unknown. The deep is chaos. The deep is unmoved in the sense that it's undeveloped potential. In the deep, you're going to find potential without formation. And so I ask you today, when God closes the door behind you, you're in the ark, what do you do now? And for a period of time, you're sheltered in the little cocoon of repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But one of these days, that door is going to open, and God's going to say, I haven't called you to just live there. I haven't called you to stop there. I've called you to go out. I've called you to take dominion. In the deep is potential without formation what are you doing to formulate your potential like no you can find safety even in the midst of the deep like the man of Gadara you can find deliverance in the deep like the disciples you can experience spiritual victory even when it feels that God has shut the door even when it feels like God is shutting you in he's really protecting you from the elements to carry you through the deep you may not even I'm going to slow down right here because you got to hear this. You may not emerge unscathed. But you will be stronger. 
may not come out without any gray hair. But you will come out victorious. You may not come out without a scratch. But you will come out alive. You'll come out emboldened. You'll come out empowered. Let me tell you this morning, the deep, although it's treacherous, it has protection. Psalm 95 and 4, in his hand, in God's hand, are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. When the surface, when safety seems far away, it's faith in the promises of God that will sustain the believer in the deep but you got to get on the ark the deep is the secret place of great success even though the deep is treacherous there's assurance to the traveler who's doing business in the deep Psalm 107 verses 23 and 30 they that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters then are they glad because they be quiet so he bringeth them again unto their desired haven the old world a country was made or destroyed by its ability to sail by the skill of its mariners They were made or broken by their ability to fight on the sea. Their ability to defend on the sea. And their ability to transfer cargo. And if they could not do those things, they would not be a world power. They would be destroyed. Those who were landlocked found their existence contingent upon those with ships could they trade what are we going to do if we're invaded they're locked in never to see never to experience with their own ship so we've got to get in the church we've got to get in the ark We've got to stay in the ark. Because I don't want to be on the outside of the ark when God closes the door. But I don't want to be afraid when the wind starts howling and the waves start rolling. Because I got an understanding today as we make our way to this altar that the storm that the enemy has designed to break me is really going to break my enemy. I'm going to find deliverance through the storm. I'm going to find emboldening power through the storm. I'm going to find empowerment through the storm. I'm going to find liberty and dominion through the storm. I wonder if I've got anybody today that will say, okay, I'm pushing off from the shallows. I'm getting in the ark. I'm going to go where God is calling me to go.